It's Monday, February 3rd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Tonight, the first voters in the U.S. are casting their ballots in the 2020 primary election. And they'll probably be doing a lot of chatting. We'll dive into what the Iowa caucuses are all about. Then, are we there yet? The Senate impeachment trial is back on this week, with just a few days to go until the final vote. And finally, a trilling viral moment from last night's Super Bowl. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by H&R Block Tax Pro Go, expert tax prep without the office visit. We need you. We need you. Join need us. You. Caucus with us. Thank you, Iowa. And we're going to win. After months of debates and thousands of TV ads, tonight, it's Iowa time, as voters finally start picking the 2020 presidential nominees. The candidate who wins the Iowa caucus doesn't always go on to win the presidency. But the caucus still plays a big role. A strong finish can provide a jolt of momentum, while a bad finish can sometimes end a campaign. We'll talk about who might have the edge in the caucus in a minute. But first, let's step back and say the reason Iowa gets to vote first is a little strange and has to do with a tradition that started decades ago. Back before computers, Iowa needed extra time to print the necessary forms for its caucus. So politicians there figured we might get started early. And since then, Iowa's made sure it stays first. Visiting candidates practically have to swear an oath that Iowa should continue to vote first, since not doing so would kind of be like insulting your host. But whether Iowa should get to vote first is increasingly coming up for debate. Iowa's population is more than 90% white. Some Democrats argue that the state isn't reflective of the party or even the country. And so it's unfair that it holds disproportionate power in the nominating process. But until Democrats and Republicans figure out a better order for state primaries, this year Iowa is once again in the driver's seat. And its caucuses are tonight. So what is a caucus? Unless you've been in one before, the way they work might surprise you. Caucuses aren't like normal presidential primaries. There's no ballot with bubbles to fill in and no privacy curtain. Instead, at 7 p.m. local time tonight, voters will zip up their coats and head to the school gym or cafeteria or their neighbor's house to one of more than 1,600 caucus sites across Iowa. Once people get checked in, they break off into groups based on which candidate they support. Yes, they literally walk to different parts of the room to do this. Once the groups form, voters are counted up to see which candidate's the most popular. We'll hear these results first. They're called the first alignment. Then things get more interesting. According to the caucus rules, if any candidate doesn't have the support of at least 15% of people in the room, supporters of that candidate have to join a different group. Based off the most recent polls from Iowa, we're expecting pretty large groups for Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. But for candidates polling below 15%, coming up short requires some tough decisions. Let's say you and a few other people really like Amy Klobuchar, but you all only make up 14% of the people in the room. That means in your caucus, Klobuchar isn't considered, quote, viable. But turns out, even though your candidate is off the table, your vote doesn't have to be. You can now go pick a second candidate. That part's cool. Ideally, the campaigns come prepared by appointing one supporter at each caucus location to vouch for them. 
Yeah, we're talking more than 1,600 precinct captains per candidate. They're in charge of rallying all the people who had to leave their quote-unquote non-viable candidates behind. Here was a correspondent for the British news outlet ITV, who was clearly delighting in how the whole caucus process works. You're then subject to all sorts of persuasion, and it really becomes kind of a debate as people try and lure you over to their particular candidate. So after people are lured over to new candidates in a different corner of the room, there's a second count. Traditionally, when people decide who won the caucus, that's the number they use. Side note, Democrats aren't the only ones caucusing today. Republicans are, too. But it's not expected to be close. The two Republicans challenging Trump, Bill Weld and Joe Walsh, have barely made a dent against him. So they might not even show up in the final results. But they're still going to show face today and be like, hey, we're still here. In addition to the usual logistical complexities around the Iowa caucus, Let's add in some travel stress. That's because four candidates, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and Michael Bennett, are senators and are required to be in Washington for President Trump's impeachment trial. The trial's still going on, and today's Senate session just wrapped for the day. So if they want to be there to rally support before the votes are in, they have to hightail it from D.C. to Des Moines. Thankfully, there's no snow in the forecast. For more on why Iowa votes first and why some people want that to change, check out our audio deep dive available only on the Skim app. Head to the App Store to download and start your free trial today. It's tax season, the most wonderful time of the year. Or wait, we might be getting that confused. This year, make filing easy with help from H&R Block's Tax Pro Go. All you have to do is upload your documents, and a tax pro does the rest. They'll complete your taxes, and once you approve it, they'll file the return on your behalf. It's like having a personal assistant, minus the rest of the stuff a personal assistant does. It's better with Block. If you thought the Senate impeachment trial of President Trump was over last week, think again. Today, the Senate will hear up to four hours of closing statements by the two sides. The prosecution, a.k.a. House Democrats, wrapped up their case by saying nobody, not even the president, is above the law, and that the evidence they presented already is worthy of a conviction. We have proven Donald Trump guilty. Now do impartial justice and convict him. Meanwhile, the defense, a.k.a. Trump's legal team, said the evidence actually shows that the president didn't do anything wrong. At the end of the day, the key conclusion, we believe the only conclusion based on the evidence and based on the articles of impeachment themselves and the Constitution, is that you must vote to acquit the president. So neither side broke any new ground today. Today was about summing up the arguments they've made the last few months. But now, senators finally get to break their silence and speak out on the Senate floor about which way they plan to vote and why. That's happening today and tomorrow, and when they're finished, they'll have to head over to the other side of the Capitol to listen to Trump's annual State of the Union address. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern. Finally, on Wednesday afternoon, it's the final vote. The vote to end all impeachment votes. Senators are getting together at 4 p.m. to vote on the two articles of impeachment, on abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. And to be clear, at this point, they're expected to acquit the president. With less than 48 hours to go, President Trump's Senate impeachment trial really is coming down to the wire. Over the weekend, the first coronavirus death outside of China was reported in the Philippines. 
at least 23 different countries have reported infections since this outbreak began, including 11 cases in the U.S. And that's why countries around the world are now taking action by imposing travel bans. And just a short time ago, the new U.S. ban going into effect, blocking foreign citizens from entering the country if they've recently been to China. Americans now have to be quarantined for two weeks after getting back from China. And the State Department has issued a level four travel advisory, which actually tells Americans, quote, do not travel to China. But according to the World Health Organization, countries need to think things through. WHO doesn't recommend limiting transfer uh, or trade and, and movement. On Friday, the WHO's Director General, Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said these kinds of restrictions are the wrong move. That might feel counterintuitive. You might think that if a disease is spreading, then one way to stop the spread is by keeping people where they are. But the problem is the disease is already spreading, so a travel ban won't necessarily work. Instead, experts argue there should be more active screenings at borders to find people who are already sick or could get sick. The key is to not freak out and go overboard because closing the borders could prevent resources like doctors and medicine from getting where they need to go. This is the time for facts, not fear. This is the time for science, not rumors. This is the time for solidarity, not stigma. The disease has now infected more than 17,000 people and killed more than 360. The numbers keep growing and spreading. So of course, this is a story we're gonna keep an eye on. Over the last week or so, we've heard from skim HQers about their unique tax situations. H&R Block has given us some great advice on what to do if you're newly married or bought a house or had a baby. But today, one Skim HQer who forgot to file on time last year is here to share a thing to know. Yep, it's me, the person who couldn't get it together to file on time. I know, I know. My mom lectured me enough. Anyway, life happens. I was pleasantly surprised to learn that filing late was not the end of the world. Here's the thing to know. The two-part Form 4868. It's a form you can submit and get an extra six months to file without facing late filing penalties. After that, though, the fees do start to add up, so don't wait too long. And if you think you're going to owe money this year, make sure to send an estimated payment on tax day, even if you aren't ready to file. If you can't afford to pay by April 15th, you might be able to set up a payment plan through the IRS. See? It's all going to be just fine. And if you want more tax tips, head to theskim.com slash let's get personal. Before we go today, we want to talk about what that Super Bowl meme is really about. The viral moment of yesterday's game actually happened during the halftime show. As Shakira broke into her hit song, Hips Don't Lie, she leaned towards the cameras, licked her tongue, and trilled? The meme started almost immediately, with people comparing the sound to turkey gobbles and hyperactive kids. But there may be a cultural significance here. Twitter users were quick to step in and identify the sound as an Arabic expression of joy and celebration, called a zagruda. While Shakira's Latin music pulls from her Colombian roots, many see this moment as a nod to her Lebanese heritage. 
And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 